Welcome to Trail and Error, a look at the trail running world from the podium to the pack with your hosts Jay Grady and Tristan Stevenson. We decided to start our own trail running podcast to talk to the people we find interesting in the trail and ultra running world, to find out their highs and lows, their momentous successes and their abject failures, and to perhaps give us all a little bit of inspiration to take on some adventures and challenges of our own. We'll be speaking to runners and athletes, race directors and coaches, sports nutritionists and doctors to get the best out of our own running and hopefully yours too. We hope you enjoy the podcast and if you do, please hit like and subscribe via all the normal podcast feeds. But for now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Trail and Error. Uh, This week, Tris and I are joined by our friend Stephen Cousins. Stephen, hello. How are hello, you? Hello, 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 hello. Hiya. Good to see so, you. I, I, I have a question straight off the bat, actually, Stephen, because you, we all know you from Film My Run, but I noticed a very subtle change creeping into Film My Run. Oh, yeah. FMR. Uh, well, yeah, you see, I, yeah, so I've been getting over the past three years more and more media work from like my, my kind of more corporate type of work. And, um, and last year I did this documentary, which some of you will have seen about the backyard ultra, mm-hmm. um, that happened last year, which broke the world record. I mean, it's been broken twice since then, but at the time it was a big deal and it got on the BBC news and all sorts of stuff. And I made a documentary and I felt like I needed to present it in in a bit more of a professional and perhaps corporate way. So I've kind of, I'm kind of halfway through perhaps rebranding myself as FMR media. Mm, Okay. Um, But then again, Victoria and I also still like film my run. So we, well, I'm just going to flip between the two. Yeah, I was going to say I think they both work. They both work actually. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's the reason. So sometimes I'm calling myself FMR, and also just just because people, a lot of people do know film my run now. So mm-hmm. I feel quite comfortable just saying FMR just for ease and speed, you know. And it doesn't have too many. It's not like an accidental acronym that could be. You know, it's not it's not like GFY or something like that. It's it, it's uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's comfortable. I'm I'm happy with it. So I'm happy to roll with both of them at, at, the, at the moment. I was just cautious of which one to introduce you. I didn't know if you'd rebranded and, and you know, Film My Room was now... No, Film My Room's good. Yeah, in, in, in light-hearted conversations such as this, uh, Film My Run is, is just fine. Uh, excuse me. This is a very serious podcast that you're on here. <laughs> no messing about. We're hardcore. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I already feel like I've sullied my reputation talking to <laughs> just talking to us. Being seen in the same places will de- destroy your reputation. Rank amateurs. Um, <laughs> so we, you came on our fourth ever podcast. This, you're our first return guest, by the way. Am I really? Gosh. Yeah. Okay, well, yep. that's that's quite an honour. Thank you very much. You're the first no person. No one else we... wanted to come back. No one else wanted to come on. No, you asked everyone else. <laughs> Jody Ed, said no. Phil said no. <laughs> yeah. James Halley was like, fuck you guys. Um, so, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for not turning us down. 
Well, seeing, so as I did, seeing as I did stay in your house last week, I feel it's only right to return the favour. Ah, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have you got your bill yet, by the way? It was quite, no, quite cheap for Cornwall. to arrive. Yeah, Sam's, I guess Sam's just adding on the extras. Oh, man, those pizzas are expensive. They were. They look good, though, and they tasted <laughs> very nice indeed. So if you do, um, anyone listening, if you want to go and stay somewhere in Cornwall, uh, 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 you <laughs> charge a very reasonable rate for a very nice log cabin in the end of uh sam's garden sam and jay's garden uh what is it about is it a thousand a night um lira yeah <laughs> lira <laughs> <laughs> did you sleep on the um did you sleep on the massage table out of interest <laughs> um no i i would only have slept on the massage table if victoria was in a bad mood with me but i do have one i do have one complaint actually oh, okay because um, Victor, the bed that we did sleep on, mm-hmm. uh, Jay did warn us that the mattress is slightly bigger than the the base, and that that meant that actually where I slept nearer the wall, the the mattress was slightly raised, um. and uh, I kept and Victoria was in the middle of the bed. I kept rolling down to into Victoria, which is very annoying because normally when we sleep together, we like to keep as far away from each other as possible. As possible. Forced intimacy. Years. Yeah. I, 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 I tell you, next time you come, I'll, I will give you a bolster. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> I'm not rebuilding the bed, <laughs> but I'll give you a bolster. You did oh, build it? that entire cabin. It's very impressive. Actually, you're in it now, aren't you? That's, I am, that yeah. Is it. That's, yeah, that, that is I'm, it, yeah. You can see my kitchen behind me out there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, well, you, you're very welcome to stay anytime you want, and it'll be nice and warm in the ark as well. Yes. Ah, so a Premier Inn. <laughs> we 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 should probably talk about running. You're up and down in Cornwall point. quite a lot, though, aren't you? Um, so I guess you kind of you almost need a second home there, really, don't you? Ideally, or, yeah. So I mean, I do already have a second home elsewhere. Maybe it's a third home or a fourth. I'm not sure. No, we're not quite that affluent. Well, we um, talked about your your network of cabins that you travel through the country living in. It's it's like Victoria. Um, so you don't know how much Victoria wants a van. Honestly, she's so desperate for a van. That's what you need, right? You need yeah, an yeah, FM armobile. The, the kind of van we want, we just can't. We haven't got the money for it. It's like forty, fifty thousand pounds for a, a decent van, which would hold us all, sleep us all, and and not cost a million pounds to run as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the thing. It's, it's expensive business these days. Have you seen the new? Um, VW electric one that's coming out, I think, beginning of next year. Mm. I, I, I don't dare look. Well, yeah, they're like 60 or 70 grand. Mm. But uh, I pretty cool. At, I looked at a kit to electrify my T4 and it was just just to buy the kit, it was 25 grand. Wow. Well, you know, um, John Stocker, who, um, who was the world record holder for the Backyard Ultra and recently just finished Badwater mm-hmm. uh, and came, I think, 15th, which isn't bad. Not shabby. Um, beating Sally McRae. Um, I think. Anyway, um, he has a deal with a camper van company, Camper King, uh-huh. um, and they let him use a van. So whenever he needs an RV, um, he contacts them. They give him an RV for the weekend or for the four days that he's away. He uses it and then he gives it back when he gets back. That's good. That's, not, that's, that's a, a nice deal you want to have, isn't as, it? As yeah. long as he, yeah, as long as he hashtags Camper King in his social media posts. Does he have to that's... do the, all these sort of like like advertorial posts going? 
It's so wonderful to be out on the open road with my camper king van. And here's five pictures of me posing around the van. Exactly. Uh, I love it so much. And it's not that they're giving me the van for free. I really do love it. You know, (laughs) when I travel, I don't go anywhere without my camper king van. (laughs) And then when he starts running out of content, it's like, have you considered taking your camper king van to school with you? Look, you can drive it into a classroom and learn lessons from there. Or what about a nightclub? Have you considered a camper? Yeah, and it's like with the optional disco ball, convoluted way to you, shove it into a social media post. <laughs> you two guys have missed your location. Where was your? You know, why haven't you both got jobs in marketing? Oh man, we'd be looking to get a, a, a portaloo to sponsor us for this podcast. Yeah, don't mind a camper van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! Yeah, who, who'd, be associ- who'd be associated with us? <laughs> yeah. Well, I hear, uh, I hear that I hear that we are we're going to be working together again. Well, we may be. I don't know. I haven't actually been invited yet. But I hear you're doing the Bristol running show now, which is a new thing. I just got asked this morning. Yeah. So. Oh, this um, morning. Yeah. Although I got oh. asked before, but I didn't confirm because I didn't have any dates. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, I thought you may be on the guest list as well. It, it was well, a really I, good one. To you be did. honest, I I just basically just had a little conversation with Tracy Waite last night. Um, but she didn't, she didn't actually ask me to come. She just told me about it and said you were involved. And I said, I'll be happy to help. And then she didn't come back to me. <laughs> I may not be involved at all. Are we good? Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> well, she's like the mafia though. You can't say no. I'm going to yeah, make I'm, you an offer I, you can't I, I refuse. I would like to get- would you like to get on the wrong side of Tracy Waite? No, and you couldn't outrun her either, could you? She goes no. for days, energizing no. me. Hi, Tracy. We love you. Frightening. Um, yeah, hi, Trace. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, um, <laughs> so, uh, oh, actually, yeah, I was, I was looking at some of your uh, YouTube videos yesterday, and uh, my dog Barkley heard your voice and barked and ran into the garden. Really? So you, well, you we're made, friends now. You made we're an impression on Barkley. Well, my legs certainly made an impression on Barkley. He knows he he's tasted every inch of my legs. Dude, I'm not going to get arrested by the RSPCA. Let's clarify that. Well, he, we may have to be. To he be went up to the short line, okay? <laughs> the knees, yeah, from the kni- knees down. <laughs> I think I think it was a step too far when you presented yourself on a silver platter with your legs fully exposed. <laughs> What's the dog expected to do, you know? If you if you will dangle kibble down your shorts, I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> I can't believe this is a running podcast. Uh, so um, you, don't, you don't edit this either, Tris, do you? You don't. This just goes out as it is. It? That's that's like ironing your clothes, editing, isn't it? <laughs> Listeners, I am that's so true. sorry. You've tuned it. You've tuned in for serious conversation about running about tech gear, about nutrition and hydration. That's not why they tune into about us. The best, about the best races to do in the UK and abroad. That's what you've tuned in for and you've got this. They tune in because we're audio only and they don't have to look at us. That's why. That, that no, we've got the option to record video now, though. We could do that and start putting it on YouTube. If um, we were going to do that, we'd have to hire MacBooks from Raylo. No. Hashtag. Is, this, is this an attempt to get a sponsor? No. Maybe. Uh, it's better than a portaloo. Well, they're not I as good as a company. Um, <laughs> so, huh. Um, what I've got a question you for you. I've got a question for you, Stephen. Go, go, go. So, speaking about racing, 
to, to yeah. try and get this back on track. What 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 races are you doing? <laughs> what have you got coming up that you're personally running and that oh, you're training blimey, for? No. Right, okay. So let's talk for an hour on on what what my stupid race schedule is for the rest of the year. So um See, I, don't, I, I think I recover relatively well from races and I don't mind, I, you know, I'm not an elite athlete, so I don't have to kind of um, pick and choose particularly A races and then train up for those A races and then ha- take a long period of recovery afterwards. I, I'm quite happy to, to race one week and, and then race again the next because maybe one I'll go hard and then the other one I'll just potter around and enjoy myself. Um, because you know, I have no reputation that uh, I've got nothing to prove. Um, so, uh, but I didn't necessarily plan the second half of this year as it's turned out, but it just has turned out like this. So, um, next week, I'm I'm very excited to be doing Lakeland 100. I've been a, trying to get into Lakeland 100 for years from when it was first come first serve. I used to get on the internet first thing in the morning as soon as it opened, I'd apply. Places were all gone in five minutes and I, I didn't get in for about five years. Then it went to ballot and I've tr- I think it's what, three or f- three or four years now, three years now that I've been trying to get in on the ballot. Didn't get in until this year. So so very excited. Next year, next week I'm doing Lakeland 100. And I have I've done a block of training specifically to to train up for for this race so this is i guess you could say one of my main races of the year just because it's new to me i've never done it before and i'm excited to do it and i'm keen to see if i can match or kind of get around about the same time as the arc because a lot of people i've spoken to seem to think the arc and lakeland are very similar in terms of your finish time so if you can do the arc in 30 hours you can do lakeland in 30 hours well mark derbyshire did got the course records on both and i think the times were virtually the same right yeah within pretty a few much. minutes yeah yeah so exactly. even at the even at the sort of elite end it seems that that's probably uh about right yeah so that's so that's that's the plan for next week ideally under 30 hours i think but we'll see what happens and you've done a um, whole series of videos showing your training as well which are on your channel yeah so on on the film my run on, on fmr media uh <laughs> there, there is we're up to episode 12 now, which will be out next week. Or is it whatever episode 12? Uh, and it's been, yeah, just documenting my 14 weeks of training leading up to the race. Um, I've done a, a quite um, a, a specific block of training with an increase in mileage each week. So I finished last week with a hundred mile week. Um, and I don't, I, d- I very rarely do a hundred mile week. Um, so I did a hundred mile week last week and then I'm cutting it down to 80 this week and obviously a little bit less next week. Um, and then we've also had little conversations after I've documented my training week. We've also had little conversations about little particular subjects. So one week it might've been hydration. Uh, the next week it m- uh, might've been tapering or, or gear watches, um, shoes, all that kind of stuff. So it, it's been a kind of whole big series of of stuff that I've done in the last uh, two or three months on that. So yeah, so if you want to go and watch those videos over on the Film My Run YouTube channel, um, whole series of stuff uh, leading up to Lakeland. Um, and then, so that's on, that's next week. What date is that? 28th, 29th of July. And then a month after that, a month later, so the end of August, we're out in Chamonix. So we've got the, the UTMB week which obviously you all 
know about listening to this. Um, and um, I am doing for my the third time I'm going to attempt TDS. So year one, I came into it injured, undertrained. It's a tough race, um, arguably tougher than the full UTMB 100 miler. It's got that and reputation, hasn't it now? It does have a, yeah, it's it's just a gnarlier course. Um, uh, and I, I was at the back. I fell asleep uh, in the middle of the night on the trail and was woken up by the sweepers and made a half-hearted attempt to climb the next hill and just de- and then DNF'd. So that was the first year. Second year um, was COVID, so it was cancelled. Getting woken up by the sweepers, thats that must be a moment in a race, right? I was so tired. The thing is as well that they, they've changed the start time the past few years. Um, and the first time I did it, it started at 4 a.m. And and I'd had virtually no sleep the, 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 the day before or the night before. So I, I started the race totally fatigued, really tired, under-trained and still recovering from injury. I mean, there was, I don't know what I was thinking, but I just, I was so desperate to be on the start line. And yeah, I just got more and more tired as the race went on and, and yeah, just totally lay down. I was climbing a hill. I was so tired. I just said, right, I'm just going to have five minutes nap. I put my head down, went to sleep and half an hour later or something, I was woken up as the sweepers came past. So yeah, I was a bit desperate. It was a bit of a, a low moment to be fair, to be fair. Um, yeah, then COVID, COVID hit the next year, so we didn't go. And then the year after that, I was, I was trained, I was ready. It was all cool. Uh, the start time had been changed, uh, so it was a better start time. So I was more awake. It was about it was six o'clock in the evening start time. And then we got to the most gnarly bit of the course at about 55, 60k in. And there was a group of guys at the bottom of the hill, all huddled together in the dark and the drizzle. And I, they were all French, and I managed to glean from them that the race had been abandoned in the middle of the night. Uh, and as again, as many of you probably know, a guy about two k in front of me had had fallen. Um, I don't know to this day. I don't know how far he fell or what the nature of the accident was. But he fell hard enough that um, he hit his head and it's a fatality, and died. wasn't it? Yeah, it was a fatality. And, he, and the reason the race was stopped was that uh, the helicopter trying to retrieve the body couldn't see because of all the head torches of the runners going past. Mm. So, so they had to stop everybody going past. So there was a big trail of head torches going up the next climb, which, to be fair, is a is a fairly sketchy ascent. Um, so sketchy, in fact, that they, the runners that had gone up couldn't get back down. Um, wow. They had to wait for the course to be roped so that runners could get back down, come back down where they'd come. So it's all right to climb up. It's sketchy, but you can do it. But getting down is a bit too sketchy. And so they had to rope off that se- rope that section so that people could hold on to get back down and make it back to Borg Samaritz aid station. Just for, because I know there's people that listen to this that might not be that familiar with UTMB. So, and and I wish to talk about UTMB because Jay's got it coming up as well. So mm. maybe between the two of you, could we just give a sort of overview of the different distances and the sort of where where these routes go and how the whole thing adds up to the, the UTMB week? Okay. Um, do you want me to start? I'm, I'm a newbie. I, I, know, I know the races, but um, you probably know okay, more so, of the locations. So, 
Um, so it does it does change year on year a little bit, um, particularly t- TDS. But um, okay, so you've got um, the, there are the seven main, races, aren't there? Yeah, there's 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 let's count them up. There's UTMB, the main race, the original starter. Now that is just over a hundred miles, and that goes the circumference of Mont Blanc. So you start in Chamonix, um, and you go round. The outside, you don't you don't climb particularly high, maybe two and a half thousand meters full elevation. Um, over the whole course, it's about ten thousand meters elevation. Thirty two thousand feet in total, yeah. Yeah, and um, and that's a full circumference of Mont Blanc, and um, you come back to Chamonix. Then you've got uh, and the next race that was added was CCC, which is a hundred k, just over a hundred k. That starts on the other side of Mont Blanc. Uh, in a place called uh, Cormier, um in Italy, and you and you run through Italy and Switzerland and back into France to finish in Chamonix in the main finish area again. So that's that's kind of half half circumference of, of Mont Blanc. Uh, so that's CCC. Then you've got some shorter races like OCC. Um, which is 53 or so kilometers. And, and the letters uh, relate to the uh, place name. So you've got Courmayeur, uh, Champelac, oh, yeah. Chamonix is CCC. Yeah, which is CCC. And then OCC. Um, OCC, uh, Osserine or something like that is That's the starting it. Yeah. place. Something and like that. And then Champé and then Chamonix. So OCC, like you said, is the, is the first letters of the towns that the, the runs go through, start and finish and go through. Um, although no, UTMB stands for Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc. Yeah, yeah, that um, one's an yeah, outlier of the uh, acronym thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And TDS stands for Tour de Savoie, I think. Somebody will correct me. Somebody in the comments will say if I'm wrong. I can't remember. I think it's Tour de Savoie, but that might be an entirely different race. And that that starts in Cormier, but then it kind of goes the opposite direction to UTMB and CCC. And goes out and into um, Switzerland and kind of round a different course. And sometimes they change the route of that race. Um, it's been set for the last two or three years, I think. But sometimes they change the route. And, and the distance it. on on that one? TDS is one hundred and forty k. It used to be one hundred and twenty, um, and in the last three four years they've changed. They've upped the distance, and the elevation is now uh, nine thousand meters. So it's. And, but it's a lot more technical than UTMB. So UTMB arguably is relatively. I'd relatively say the difference is out trails. They're, they're, it's it's like piste and off piste almost, isn't it? Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've never done UTMB, so I don't know the full course. But from my experience of CCC, it's, it's relatively buffed out trails unless they take you off course because of whatever reason. Falls, Sometimes they reroute courses. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. And with the CCC, does it? Um, like faithfully follow a 100k section of the full UTMB course or are there deviations yes. of it? Yeah, it no, does. no, it's pretty much, apart from I think maybe the start the hill, start the first is different, hill is different. Yeah. And, um, and when I did it, we were diverted as well for, uh, for some reason. I think the, the weather on the top of one of the last climbs uh, was bad, so we were diverted. And actually the, the last 10k of my route was very technical indeed when I did it, but as far as I'm aware, that generally up to La Flegere, um is is relatively benign as well. It's just it's just a lot of climbing, a lot of steep climbing, but not particularly technical. But, but it, it of course it follows the route. 
So yeah, well, it's a very good stepping stone for UTMB. I'm hoping in that you're doing oh, yeah. oh, two thirds of it, and, and like yeah, yeah. Chris says, it's the same. It, it's useful because it is, um, you know, yeah, you're getting a shorter version of the big race. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and it's it, the three big climbs are um, kind of classic. You know, that's that's what everyone in UTMB is. Once they get to Cormier, um, they're, they're basically just thinking three massive climbs to go and then I'm home. Mm. And CCC, you basically just start with that. I've got three massive climbs, then I'm home kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And when we say and massive... There are, there are well, shorter well, races like MCC, which is only 15 kilometers. And they've just introduced a new one now as well. YCC? Sorry? I think it's the YCC. YC, no, it's not. Or maybe YMCA. it is. YMCA could be that. And of course, we're not, not, not to forget, not to forget PTL. <laughs> PTL, which, yeah. We, PTL, which you have to do as a team of three. Um, and it's about 320 odd kilometers. Is it a team of three um, or a team of two? Team of, maybe it's a team of two. I think it's I think, two. And helmets and ropes and stuff, isn't it? Helmets, ropes, ice axes. Yeah, yeah. Don't even ask me the route. I've no idea. But right, it sounded uh, good up until the point where I needed you needed uh, safety equipment. That means fear of death. <laughs> and since yeah. I don't know the mountains, probably certain you, death. You need to be a bit brave to, yeah. to consider taking that one on. It's a very so, long um, way. Just, just on the climbs, um, you know, again, a lot of people listen to this Cornish trail running community. A big climb is, you know, Minac steps. <laughs> so put it into context. How high are we talking in a single climb well, here? Yes. Yeah, so if you are, if you are from the Cornish running community and you're listening to this, and you're you're used to the the Southwest Coast Path, um, to be fair, the Southwest Coast Path has some gnarly trails, and and in terms of the terrain underfoot, it's not that different actually. Um, and in fact, it may even be a little bit nicer um, over in Chamonix and, and the Alps. However, the climbs um, will. So if a climb in um, in the in Cornwall is like 100 meters up and it takes you half an hour, 20 minutes, half an hour to do um, your your climbs in Chamonix, and the Alps are going to be minimum seven, eight hundred meter climbs that are going to take you if you're tired and taking very slow steps. Imagine, remember, you know, the, the films you see of people climbing Everest and they're taking like <laughs> one step every, you know, middle and middle of the pack and backpackers. It gets a bit like that sometimes. And it's going to take you two hours, two and a half, three hours to get up these climbs sometimes. The and then, of course, then of course there's the, the, the descending as well, which sounds great and so you've been doing it for an hour. <laughs> yeah, the descents are arguably more damage on your legs. Uh, I've, I've been known on multiple races to start walking backwards down the descents because my quads are so trashed, um, which is also why pacing um, and un- understanding the, the distance that you have to go and the elevation that you have to complete, understanding that and, and taking account of that at the very beginning of the race is so vitally important because you blast up the first hill and down the second descent thinking this is amazing. 50K later, you're not going to be able to walk. Um, so you, you, you just need to take that into account and be aware that by the fourth descent, 
like that, you're trashed. Um, And if you haven't looked after yourself, and that's why, you know, I, I do hate the term cheat sticks. And a lot of people in the UK have kind of adopted this as like comedy thing. Oh, he's using cheat sticks. Get yourself out to the Alps and start climbing some of those hills and you'll realise why all the Spanish guys and the French guys have got them. Aren't those because same people using cheat, cheat trainers as well? And <laughs> cheat backpacks and cheat shorts? races, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, stick the trainers on your cheat feet. shoes are not going to be using cheat sticks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? If, you, if, you're, if you're talking about purity of running and not using poles, take your bloody trainers off then. Well, you know? all it's, right. Um, okay. Yeah. No, that's that's what I mean with that. I, I know what I mean. It's 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 spot the not spot the rookie out on a a, a European mountain well, ultra because they don't have poles. When me and my friend Richard, who I used, I say I run with, but I used to run with him because he's been injured for about a year and a half. Um, when we first went out to La Palma to do Transvolcania, you know, we didn't have poles, and we quickly learned. We quickly. That was the one. One of the races I came down one of the hills backwards. I was thinking actually, you've got a superpower there because when doing film my run coming down backwards, you've actually got a reversing camera, haven't you, in your hand if you want it. You can pretend what? you can pretend you're shooting some footage while looking at your screen and seeing exactly where you're going. Save your quads. Yeah, but I'm too honest for that. I just say I'm walking backwards down the hill because my legs are shot. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say I'm filming runners that are just behind me. Um, yeah. So I've got to turn around. It's obviously going to negatively impact my time, but you know, so be it. For my art, I will sacrifice my time. That's exactly. It. All for That's the footage. It. On the poles thing, um, yeah, I, I've, I've very rarely used them, and I think I've probably used them in inappropriate circumstances because I find them, for me, pretty much useless on the coast path, and for for the way I run, not really much point in them either. Um, so, because they just get caught in things and and stuck and end up expending more energy than if I didn't have them. You know what I mean? I, I, it, I've done one of the videos that I did for the Lakeland series was about using poles or, or partly about using poles. And I, I remember saying in that, get your poles out early because the point of poles is to save your quads for later in the race so that you've still got some power and some energy in your legs so don't so don't wait to use your poles until when you're tired. You need to use them early mm. to, to make use of them in the proper way. Now on the coast path, though, I would I would actually say you don't need to do that um, because the climbs are so short on the coast path generally that once once you've got your poles out and faffed around, you've wasted five ten yeah. minutes. You may as yeah. well just get up the hill and get down again. And 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 maybe the, maybe on the coast path, the best way to use poles is when you're starting to fatigue, um, to to just steady yourself down the descents and to just give yourself a bit of an extra lift climbing some of those final. Especially climbs. on the arc as well, because the vegetation in the first two thirds of the course up to St Ives is prohibitive if you want to use poles. So they will snag yeah, on, on a lot of that stuff. But on you know from. Goodreavy onwards, or maybe through even through the towns, you know, if you if you're suffering and you, I mean, I, I have my poles out at St Ives this year. Um, you, know, you need a bit of space to use them, don't you? And I mean, maybe if you're a pole ninja, you can use them in any situation, and like they mm-hmm. they improve efficiency and all that sort of stuff. But I, you, I, th- I certainly think you need to practice with them, don't you? Um, it's yeah. not. Oh enough yeah, you just... don't 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 just buy a set of poles and then go out and 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 try and run a, a race with them because yeah, you'll get them caught between your legs. You'll get them stuck in foliage or between rocks. Um, stab someone. Yeah, 
yeah, all sorts <laughs> of stuff. Um, funnily enough, um, on my the third time that I went to Transvulcania, um, I, I was running in. I was so tired; my legs were absolutely shot, and um, I was getting severe cramping in my legs. But I was on the last two kilometer section, which is flat through the town to the finish line. And I was running with a Spanish guy and I, I was just cramping up and I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I kept having to sit down to stretch my, try and pull my legs out. And um, the Spanish guy just said, get your poles out, get your poles out and, and they will help you to the finish line. And I did. And they did. So there's, there's arguments for using them in lots of different scenarios. They're a nice safety thing to have. If you don't have to use them, you don't use them. On the Alpine stuff, I think you're absolutely right. You do need to use them. But, you know, if your knee won't bend or you're, you're carrying a niggle and it's stopping you, sometimes, the pot, like you said, the poles will save you from destroying that, that joint. And it'll, you, know, you don't have to use them the whole way, but they, they're good to have. Yeah, I, I, well, I think if you're about to climb 700 meters, then it's definitely good to have them because after an hour of that, you might, might decide that actually they could be a good assistance getting up that hill. Um, but practice is key. You know, you've got to practice. And mm -hmm. um, I suppose that just means doing hill repeats with poles, yeah. basically. To be fair to you, Tris, to be fair to Tris, uh, Tris is going so quick compared to the rest of us that honestly, it, it isn't worth him using poles for half the races. For three quarters of the races, he does. It, there's, there's no point. He's just going to be up and over so quick that it doesn't matter. Uh, but for the rest of us, yeah, you know, think about it and, and try, practice with them and see if they work for you. And if they don't, they don't. But if they do, then great. Keep it simple. Right, Tris. Uh, not Tris, Jay. I, I have a problem. Okay. Um, I, I, do you take photographs? Are you a photographer at all? Uh, yeah well no yeah yeah, yeah. i use my iphone you know, you know, do you know the rule of thirds no well I the do. rule of okay when mm. placing yourself within the frame or placing the subject within the frame it to a so it's pleasing to the eye why is your head at the bottom of the frame move your blooming camera so that your head is at the top of the frame laying you're like you're like this. Look, you're like this. Hello. Yeah. Hi, guys. Yeah. So for, for everyone for everyone listening on audio, which is all of you, um, <laughs> Jay, Jay's head is like a sort of small furry football at the bottom of a of a of a, of a, of a uh, you know cinema screen. And so there out, you go. He's now centralised himself. That, is so. that better? Yeah. That, if we're going to get into, if we're going yeah, to get into doing video podcast, Jay, you're going to need to be able to tilt the screen on your laptop. I've got a face made for radio. We'll, we'll stick with audio. I can't do video. Good God. A face only a mother would love. <laughs> right. There we go. Have you seen photographs of you without a beard, though? Well, yeah, they do exist. I was born without a beard, actually. <laughs> Somebody asked me once, have you always had a beard? I said, no, I came out of the womb clean shaven, actually. It's, uh, it was a new addition. Uh, have you always had a beard? Um, it's like, what's your birthday? Yeah, that's a bit better. There, there we go. are. Okay. There we go. I'm, I'm glad I've pleased. I thought I was going to get some astonishing photos. Uh, Jay, when you get to the top bit, of the first climb. Sort of, yeah. Oh, like that. Look, you can see all the pores on my nose now, can't you? There we go. I've got curly hair going on. Um, anyway, that's, that's, I, I might even have to go and edit that out because it's so boring for people that are listening. Um, <laughs> I probably won't. Well, I hope so. My, I hope my, so. My goal, Jet, my goal, Tris, is to create many points where you think we have to edit that out <laughs> yeah well I remember, next time i see you in a race i will be sure to return a favor uh when you're pointing well, your video camera out. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, no I, I mean, I'll just probably swear at you repeatedly. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so you're, you did Val Duran as well in, 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 our, in our running chat. You, you did Val Duran. What yeah, was that, that like? That, without doubt, the hardest race I've ever done. But apparently they've changed the course now. So last this year's, the one that's just happened, uh, the course was different and a bit, and a bit dare I say, easier. Um, oh, wow. But I, I complained all the way through that, that it wasn't a running race. It was just a long hike for me anyway and, and for all the guys around me. I mean, there was about 900 starters, about 50% DNF rate, maybe a bit more than that. And I finished at the back end. So out of the 400 and odd finishes, I think I was I was 400 and something and there were maybe 450 finishes. So there's about 20 or 30 people behind me mm. um, for, for people – I mean, to be fair though, my my that my goal for that race wasn't to be fast or competitive in any way. It was simply to finish because the prize for finishing that event was um, a guaranteed entry for UTMB, for the the main event in yeah. Chamonix. Um, so, so my goal was simply to finish in the cutoff time of forty eight hours. Which I did in I think forty six fifty, so forty seven hours. Forty seven um, hours. Yeah, that, it's, is that it a was, is hundred miles? It's a hundred. It's just again, just over a hundred miles. God, that must um, be brutal for it to take that long. Oh yeah, it's it's there's not a lot of running. So I mean, it's it, just it's so not, technical, is it? And obviously elevation, yeah. but like it's just unrunnable because of its technicality. Yeah, obviously the guys at the so the winner did it in twenty four hours. So he was obviously running a lot more of it than I was. And, you know, the, the further up the field in experience and skill set you get, people are going to be running stuff that I'm not going to be running. And there's guess there's people behind me who are going to be walking some of the bits that I'm going to be running. Mm. Um, so it's all about experience and, and, and skill set. But, but g- yeah, generally it was a lot of walking, a lot of, long long hiking so the longest climb was a 1500 meter climb and then there were a couple of others that were over a thousand meter climbs um it's just yeah just slogging your way up and up and up constantly and then and then horrendously steep downhill sections again that were going to trash your quads um and 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 parts of the route where there is no trail really um, parts of the route where they've clearly, whether the organisers have clearly thought this is too easy, let's send them off. And you're going, you're going on what is a relatively nice path, and then there'll be a left turn off piste, and you'll go up some gnarly bit with where there's no path, where they've basically just said we'll make a path here, and 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 off you go. Um, we we know a race director like that, don't we? Who who likes to make the ending of the arc, the new arc could have been. Along a lovely little bit of road, oh, across yeah. a little, but no, right into Porth Tower and up see, the other side. Fergie, the race director of, of uh, the Ark, does go off and do these relatively unknown races. He was talking to me about the one he did in Hungary recently. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he's a bit of an outlier in terms of, you know, him and Duncan Oaks just go off and choose these races in the middle of nowhere that no one else has done or very few people know about. And, and they get their ideas. That's where he gets his ideas. Yeah. And, 
um, yeah. So how, how to be nasty? There's, a, there's 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 definitely a difference between making a race hard and just making it miserable, right? And I think, yeah, and I think the balance there with Valderan in the so, I mean, the Pyrenees is the Pyrenees is notoriously more difficult than the Alps in terms of its technical terrain, um, and um, I think they decided that perhaps it was just a bit too horrendous because they also what they do is they predict finish times for the elite runners, and they had predicted like 20, 19, 20 hours for the elite winners who came in in 24 hours. Yeah. Um, the same thing happened to UT in Berman. They cocked up the course, made it too difficult, right. and it took them an extra, I think, people coming in, the elites again, five, six hours later than expected, yeah, yeah. which put them into a different kind of time of day. They were freezing in the desert at night when they should have been home. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, different kits. The, so thing, the thing is, the, all the, if you think about all this, the most desirable races, pretty much all of them, they're really tough. You know, the ones that people want to get into, like in the UK, it is the likes of Lakeland and the Ark of Attrition and, you know, North Dan's Way or whatever. They're pretty tough spine races. And that. Yeah. Yeah, spine. And then, you know, in the US, of course, it's Barkley and it's Badwater and all these kind of things. So I guess if you've got an emerging race um, and you're looking to attract great runners and get a reputation, then there's the incentive to make it really, really Brutal. tricky. But... I think that's what just, Michael did with um, with the UTS as well. I mean, he wanted to have a race yeah, that was UTS, tougher yeah. than UTMB. Yeah. Um, I think he's done that as well. Mm. It, it is just, there's that. It's difficult to sort of work out what it is, but there's definitely something between, God, this is grueling, but wow, what a rewarding experience. And well, that was just horrible. Um, I don't, I hated it. Um, and you know, it can be a personal thing, but I think some races like the one you've just described, perhaps they just get it a little bit wrong. And yeah, like, but it well, is I weird. Then I a sense it's, of accomplishment, just like, God, that was horrible, you know? It's weird though, because it's like my, well, I, I can speak for my wife, uh, like childbirth, you kind of forget <laughs> how painful and awful yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and you just remember how great the feeling was uh, afterwards. And, and the same with Valderan, I, I started to say to my wife, do you know what? I'd, I'd quite like to go and have another go at that. And she said, you hate it. You hated every minute of it. You were on the phone to me saying you wanted to quit. You, you know, it was dire, Stephen. You don't, why do you want to go back? And I just said, well, yeah, but I know, but it was awesome. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm trying hard at the moment to get um, Shane Oley on the show um oh yeah okay we're, we're kind of on the periphery now of, of, of being in contact with each other and um i'll have a word with him in september give him a kick well i'm in touch with one of his neighbors so uh she's a patient of mine so we're, we're kind of chatting oh, right now. Um, okay but that kind of that difficulty and I, I i chatted to a friend of ours uh james forbes who who volunteered on um dragon's back this year which i would say is one of one of the hardest in the UK, actually, in terms of multi-day, for sure. Yeah, do people know who James Oley is? Um, he's a, well, he's a St. Agnes uh, local, though he lives in the lakes now. So he's kind of corny. We have our Cornish connection. Uh, but Shane Oley is... Um, oh, that's a bad point. I can't remember the name of Shane's company. But um, they oh, organise yeah. uh, Dragon's Back, uh, Cape Wrath, and the uh, Ring of Steel, I think it is. Well, the whole the whole sky running, sky running weekend, yeah. yeah, Ben Nevis Ultra, which is the one I'm doing, and, and then the uh, Great Lakes in three days kind of thing. So, 
Um, that's Shane's company's races. And there's a, a school of thought kind of now, uh, which I probably think is correct in that the, the Dragon's Back, I think purposely now is getting to the point with the cutoffs where only somebody who lives in, uh, and I'm actually quoting a friend, but only people that live in, in, in Wales or in the mountains and semi-elite or elite, semi-pro or elite runners can, can finish and match the cutoffs now. Uh, but I think that's by design. I don't think that's by accident. So contrary to, well, different to the other ones that we've just been talking about, I think there's an element there where an elite race, an absolute elite race is, is on the calendar. And, and, you know, everyday runners like ourselves, maybe, well, certainly me, me and Stephen, um, if I, if I can saying? put myself, well, you, you're not, we're, we're both not as good as Tris. That's where I'm taking this one. Okay. <laughs> so factually, I mean, you, you, Actually, on our screen, on my screen, anyway, I'm over in third place on the on the right, and and you're in second place, and then Tris is somewhere off. I, I haven't seen him for ten hours now, um, but yeah, that's kind of where we sit. So I know, and I know Tris wants to stab at this race. So, but yeah, I think it's the certain ones as well. They they make them difficult by design to attract that elite field and maybe cut away some of um, some of the um, the, the inclusionism. Because a lot of our races are inclusional, you know, the t- the last cutoffs will get a, 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 a good average runner through. But there's, you know, is, um, is inclusional a word? I think it is. Is it not? Is it Inclus- inclusive. 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 There you go. I've been speaking bad England since I was a children. Um, so <laughs> the old ones are the best. So yeah, I think there's an element of of races out there that are purely for. Um, the top top runners, and then there are some that are just yeah. bloody difficult, and we can all have a stab at them. Totally, uh, and I think Ch- James is a good example of that because uh, I mean I know with Ben Nevis as well. Um, I've I've DNF'd that race twice simply because I didn't make the cutoffs. Partly because of my own, um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? When you don't think about when complacency. <laughs> <laughs> laziness <laughs> laziness yeah <laughs> Part, partly because of my own complacency but also because um james has set tight cutoffs for that race i don't know what it's like for kate rath i think that might be a little less you said um, james you mean shane don't you shane sorry yeah, sorry no, james, no. Ollie, shane shane ollie yeah 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 shane. no just making sure i haven't got it wrong um, sorry my fault so yeah, um, yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right. I think it's um, there's a level of um, this. It's a different style of race, and I've, I've kind of taken that off my list of potentials because of that. I think the reality check is bitten, and I've gone. Yeah, as much as I want to stab at it, I can't commit to. What well, you're talking about? Much multi-day, time. or you're talking about because it's like the just that too one in hard. particular. Yeah, um, I think it. I th- I th- and I think quite rightly, I think he's he's aiming it, and and I'd love to to know. Obviously, we'll hopefully speak to Shane soon. But I think that's, I I, I think that's where it's going. I think there's going to be some races that are like almost the professional circuit, which we're excluding. What about from. Kate Rath? Would you do that? Uh, I yeah, would. I think I'd have a stab at that one. Yeah, I, I quite fancy that at some point. Still a lot of dosh, but it's maybe um, we should go do it together. No. No. <laughs> well, like together, you can, imagine, can you imagine how angry Tris would get with you and me? <laughs> but you can't you can't together at Come night. Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> We'd see each other in the evening. <laughs> We'd see each other in the evening. <laughs> 
Oh, so I could give your legs a rub. Ah, this is it. Ah, you work me out. Damn it. Yeah, why have you invited Jay? Well, his elbows are pointy. Um, he's a bit slow, but you know, you'll get the. By the time ah. he staggers into the finish line, uh, um, I'll be ready for my massage. Actually, so, I've so, had my so food. Straight through it. I, I wanted Jay to do my massage and Stephen to document the document whole thing. Document it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the dream team. <laughs> why did you ask us, Tris? Um, <laughs> but it, that'd, that'd be a cool race though wouldn't it it's quite expensive I've, I've, always, expensive. I've always loved the idea mm. of, of, of Cape Wrath and yeah. if, I, if I could get the two grand together yeah is I, it two yeah, grand now I, is it it was well, 1500 last time I checked 1500 yeah. or something yeah but then yeah. you know you're bound to spend 500 quid on kit you don't need yeah yeah um, well, maybe yeah, that's yeah, where I mean, we're looking wrong for sponsors yeah I, I yeah well I don't I don't understand how Susie Chan gets to do all these races and like um, Costa Rica and and uh, the and Morocco that she goes to regularly. She's done about. She's done Costa Rica. She's done the the jungle um the coastal challenge thing. Coastal challenge in Costa Rica. She's done that about four times. And the you wouldn't uh, want to sign up for the wrong CCC, would you? Marathon de Saab. She's done about five times. I mean, that's like that's it's three four, grand four, a time. Four grand. 3,840, I think it was. She is very persuasive with her sponsors, isn't she? Well, she's isn't she running for Peloton now? She works for Peloton now. Yeah. 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 I don't think they'd pay for her to go to Costa Rica. But she's a, she's a, a, a well-known face, though, and um, she does social media well, and she's a good runner. So I can see how the, the race yeah. companies benefit. But yeah. You've still got to finish these things, haven't you? No matter how you get there and whether you pay for it. You've yeah, she's won, she's won the Costa Challenge a couple of times, hasn't she? I think. Good runner. So, yeah. yeah. We should have her on the show, actually. Um, so that Valderan beast, and I, and I see you wear your Valderan t-shirt with pride, so I know that was a hard one. I wear it a lot, yeah. Yeah, I, I think rightly so. Um, I love the fact, I also loved the fact with that race, I just spent 47 hours out on the trails, the hardest race I've ever done, I'm absolutely done in. I come in at the end. I ring the bell. I get a little interview um, at the end at the, on the finish line. And I am, hand, what am I handed? What am I handed? I'm handed an apple and a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> a worthy race prize. Yeah. Uh, you know. Awesome. We, we gave awesome. all the good shit to those people that can run fast. <laughs> this is what we had in the glove box of our van. There you go. Apple, <laughs> apple and a bottle of water. There you go. <laughs> sorry, sorry, we're out of the good stuff. There's only thirty of you left out on the course. This no, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like the, I like the idea that everyone got that. Even the winner was handed an apple and apple. a water bottle at the end. <laughs> Yeah, we th- we thought we were sponsored by Apple, but actually no, we were just had apples <laughs> yeah. to give you. Sorry about that misconstru- yeah. mis uh, mispronunciation. Uh, um, so we do have, a, um, and I think we're going to record a, a, a pre and a post race thing for for CCC, and, and I'll go into a little bit of detail. But for newbies like me that are heading out to Chamonix, and for people like we're trying to entice out there, like Tris, um, you should still come by the way. Um, it's um, could you kind of run th- and and specifically let's let's be selfish. I'm going to be selfish. Specifically CCC. What would your advice be in terms uh, well, of? If you watched, so, so you have big, an excellent film on well, the film the, I run, Charles. The the most watched film on my YouTube channel is the CCC. That's film me, by the way. I am a hundred thousand of those views, watching it all the time. Yeah, just um, on loop. Yeah. Uh, 
you'll see that um, I get to 20k in and I'm not sure how I'm going to finish the race because I've gone up the first climb too hard. So with CCC and with with pretty much every UTMB race, um, there are so many people that you will be in a conga line, certainly in the first marathon mm. of the race. You will be in a conga line of people. Um, and up the first climb, which is very steep and quite long. 5,000 um, feet in 10K. Right. So um, you you are at risk of being dragged along at a pace that you are not comfortable with which will tire you out and you will spend the rest of the race recovering. Be sensible about your position in the start corral. Be sensible about How do you get your... to choose that? Because I've not seen uh, there's any... No, there's no... Apart from, I think, the elites, there's no um, barriers to stop you going pretty much anywhere from... That's why nobody's meet... asked me. They don't know I'm an elite. 10 metres from the front of the race to uh 400 right. meters at the back so you position so you can, yourself you can position yourself anywhere along there just be sensible about about where you put yourself mm. i mean it's obviously if you've never done it before it's hard to judge because you don't know what the people around you are going to be running at what pace they're going to be running at yeah um but if, if if you find yourself you know if you run by heart rate maybe just check that um as you go as you start your climb up the first hill and all, all nah, I was going to say all the races start with a climb, but they don't. U, UTMB starts with a very flat section. Um, yeah, just just like check yourself. Two, three, four kilometers into the race, how high is your heart rate? Are you overexcited? Are you pushing too hard in in the early? And you can early, step out of the conga line, can't you, if you need to? And and where you find a, tr a place on the some places you can't. Some places mm. you are in that train and you are keeping going, but occasionally you'll get to a, a where where the Switch um, back. The track is a switchback. You get to the switchback point and you can just step off the trail and let some other people pass you. Take a breather, just relax and, and realize that you've still got a long, long way to go. Your heart rate should not be 160 mm -hmm. at this point in the race. Um, so there's that. So that's my first bit of advice. Um, second bit of advice is Chamonix is amazing and the atmosphere is incredible. Take it all in, breathe it in, enjoy it all. You know, just have have fun the whole time. You're not just there for the race. You're there for the community of ultra running um, and to take part in the whole thing, to go and watch some of the other races go off and, and come in, to be in the crowd, be in the excitement. Mm. So especially, the, you know, when the winners of UTMB, of the main race, come in, Wow, man, Chamonix is just, it's its like being at the Olympics, you know, it's its its incredible. However, but it's in the Olympics. Small. It's very small, so you so you need to be in the bit where all that stuff's happening. Mm. Um, but yeah, just, just in, enjoy the whole... Immerse the whole, yourself. Immerse yourself in it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then kind of, um, obviously for CCC, we've got two seven and a half thousand... Uh, feet peaks and then a 20 kilometer downhill section and 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 as we come up that that second peak is where you cross into to switzerland and then you come down this see i've memorized this shit you've got this sorted haven't you yeah, yeah. I, I have a picture in my mind my mind's eye i've visualized myself getting my gilet by the way somewhere in france right now my gilet is sat you get a winner's gilet not a medal my, it's sat in a plastic bag in Better a box 
exactly better than an apple and an orange and a, and a piece of coal. Um, <laughs> that, we should have. Where that. was my piece of coal? But, <laughs> they burned it. You were that long; they had to keep warm. Okay. <laughs> so you got there earlier. So long, you know. Eventually, they just even they deteriorate. And forty-six <laughs> hours or whatever it was was a, a bit much. <laughs> You'll get Ellis, a windmill of it. Ellis, 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 come Are here. You scared away the Jedi. Oh, he doesn't want. He doesn't want to be on camera. My son. <laughs> my son just uh, appeared with his Jedi outfit on, and wanted to show me, but he didn't want to be on camera. Oh, bless scarring him. Um, so you you cross, and then you've got three six thousand meter, uh, six thousand feet peaks uh, until you kind of come into uh, France, and then the last descent, obviously down into Chamonix. Um, your video is is would. You, what would you learn from your own 2018 CCC? What would you change if you had to change anything? Respect the mountain. Um, so I would, I would, uh, this is like every ultra runner says this, then I, I would train more. Uh, mm. I would be, I would be fitter for the climbs. Um, so, you know, you've got what you've got a month and a bit. So get some more hill training in, get some more quad training, slam, slam your quads on some descents yeah i mean damage your quads now repair them rebuild them and repair them and rebuild them so they're stronger for those downhills the downhills whilst the trails are buffed out relatively relatively nice to run on there's some incredibly steep bits Mm -hmm. really steep um and and some that you will if it's raining if it's wet there's one or two bits where you'll slide down on your backside um round um now I forget the name of the place now, but there's a couple of descents where there's gra- it's it's grass, it's muddy, very steep, and you're better off just sliding down on your bat on your bum. Yeah, manage the risk almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. For that quad stuff, mm. um, if anyone's wonder- wondering how to damage your quads like that, I, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> like fast downhill running, and obviously you need to take it easy at this to begin with. You don't just throw yourself into a run having not sprinted downhills for you know twenty years. But like mm. getting a bit of pace going downhill, especially steeper hills, is a really good way of activating. You've got quads. to send it, haven't you? Yeah, you do. And then actually, an outside of your running, a really good one. I can't remember who I heard talking about this. It might, it might have been David Goggins actually. But um, get, get yourself on a high step, and then very slowly step off it and down, very slowly. And then what okay. it's doing is it's forcing that quad to work really hard to steady you as you step down and do that a few times on each leg like 10 i don't know 10 reps on each leg and then you know switch that switch to the other leg reverse plyometrics almost yeah and you it just makes you um, what about putting your back up against a wall and and kneeling and like going going down putting your legs at the right squat yeah Yeah. just sit in there for as long as you can yeah yeah. So for us, All Agnes sort of Beacon is, is really the best place around here in Cornwall, just to run down from the Beacon to Chapelport. Mm. Just kind of, uh, that seems to be a, a similar level of technical trail. Um, so yeah, that's, and, and I'm on the Stairmaster twice a week now, which I fucking hate. Yeah, well, that's good as well, because you're going to do a lot of hiking up hills, aren't you? You need to get the hamstrings and bum working really yeah. well so that they don't, you know, fall apart on your second climb or whatever, you know? I, I it is, you know, one of the one of the best things about these races, because we just we just don't have it in the. I mean, even Snowden and and Ben Nevis and and the Brecon Beacons, 
they're just they're just not high or steep enough to mimic some of the things that you see. What like the greatest sights in in ultra running in Chamonix and and a couple of the races that I've done out in the Canary Islands, where the, the gradient is so steep. At, n- at night, it's great as well. Like you 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 look up into the sky, and you see a light. And you think, oh, that star's a that's a bright star in the sky, and then you realise it's a runner <laughs> on the trail where you're going, looking back to see how far back you are. It looks miles away and so high up. Yeah, and it's it's just an it's just fantastic. It's awesome. I mean, it scares the hell out of you, but it's awesome. It's the beauty of mountains, though, isn't it? I said this before. It makes you feel so small and insignificant. It reminds you of your place in the world in a way. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, and then when you get to the top, and you realise just how far you you have climbed it might have taken you 24 hours to get there <laughs> i remember being at the top of um teed in uh in tenerife and that's mm. that's the highest i've ever been it was three and a half thousand meters so what's that um fourteen thousand yeah, feet you, you really got affected by altitude at that point didn't you that was the first time i actually felt the effects of altitude yeah. Yeah, i got a bit dizzy and the last the last mile took about an hour to do um yeah but but you could see for miles and and there were planes lower than me coming into land and yeah it was just fantastic see, i get excited going up going up aggie beacon or Carn Marth and looking around like oh i can see falmouth and i can see st agnes at the same time that's, that's yeah, it yeah. well i could see the coast of africa you know just <laughs> brilliant. brilliant um the, um so we had Paddy Mitten on. Uh, Dr. Paddy Mitten came on and did a podcast for us on altitude. And then I've recently listened to, um, there's a great podcast called Trail Runner Nation. If you haven't listened to those guys, check them out. They do some really good stuff. And they did a, an interview with Ian Sharman. And Ian Sharman was, was, was interesting enough. He, he, he changed my perception of high altitude because he basically said high altitude is about above 10,000 feet. He said below that, uh, any acclimatization you do, is, is not really going to be about worth the time that you spend doing it. So whether that's a okay. 10 or going out there a month before, he says, unless you're going above 10, 9,500, 10,000 feet, don't bother. It's a really good podcast if you, if you want to listen to that, anyone. Because um, when, when I first went out to Chamonix, one of the b- bits of advice that I was given was to get up high early. So go out there as early as you can and get up high. I mean, the altitude in Chamonix is not that – the highest you get to is two. 1700 yeah. meters or so something like that um so uh, and but chamonix is already at a thousand meters yeah so you're living at a thousand meters it says you'll feel the effects but you don't get that kind of you don't need that acclimatization. It, it will make you slower and it will make you work harder but it uh, right. the distance you know the, the altitude's out in chamonix you're not gonna you know, it's, you don't feel it you know he, he's talking about hard rock and leadville and he's saying yeah, yeah he, he won't take on a, a a client, a coaching client, to do Hard Rock or Leadville unless they're going out there for at least ten days before. You know, he says, "I'm I'm not the coach for you if that's your plan. If you just want to rock up, you're setting yourself up for a fail." Whereas um, Chamonix definitely falls below that barrier. So there's an element of we can make we can start the adaptations, but th- there's also an argument then that you don't want the adaptations to start because you don't want to be in that horrible period where your body is transitioning into altitude. You don't want to be in that arena where you're you're starting your race in in that time when you're feeling crap so mm. there's, there's some different schools of thought on it and i think everyone's probably slightly different but 
you know, there's some good rules of thumb. And uh, so anybody going out there, don't don't read too much about the acclimatization, especially at our level. You know, if you're just going out there for fun. Um, yeah, and you know, lifestyle comes into it as well, and school holidays come into yeah. it. You know, I I can't go out there a month before like some people and 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 get used to it all. I you know, I just have to rock up half mm. the time and, and do the race. And that's the you know, if that's the advice of Ian Sherman, I'm, I'm willing to take it. He knows yeah. a bit. He knows a thing or two about running. <laughs> uh, so, know, Stephen, we didn't get to what your ne- uh, rest of your races are this year. What else have you got on? We've only got oh, another oh, hour. Yeah, we started with that, didn't we, about an hour ago? Um, yeah. So, right, okay. So, Lakeland, followed by TDS in Chamonix. And then, the, so then about three weeks after that, I've got Ben Nevis Ultra, which I absolutely – so, Blimey. TDS, I, I haven't finished twice. I need. I have to finish that race. Ben Nevis, the minute I DNF'd it last year, I, I said, I'm signing up again. I have to finish this race. So so Ben Nevis has got to be done. I've got to finish that. And then, huh, I was lucky enough to get a place in the Berlin Marathon. When's the Berlin Marathon? Berlin Marathon is a week after Ben Nevis. Oh, my God. So you've got and, like four races in the next like seven weeks or something. Yeah, all of which I'm desperate to do. And have you got London and, as well? And yeah, I'm rocking around London as well. <laughs> a week, a week after Berlin, and I've got this stupid idea that I might try and do a sub three hour in in Berlin. It's but flat, I don't right? know. It's very flat. Oh yeah, I mean you can't go to Berlin without giving it a go, can you? Surely. Yeah. But whether I can, whether I can a recover from from Ben Nevis and TDS quickly enough and b whether i can get the amount of speed working that i need to between basically now and uh, so after after lakeland hmm. i need to start doing some speed work in my training so there's not going to be a lot of distance work going on i'm just going to have to hope that this this block that i've just done tides me over for tds and ben nevis in terms of distance and endurance and then get some speed work in in the meantime, or at least the distances are kind of getting less as, yeah. as your kind of race calendar continues, right? Yeah, so yeah. You need more speed. Um, and getting speed work, speed training in during a recovery phase after an ultra is not easy because you feel like you've got no. no power at all. You know? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. So it, it it my my dream of doing a sub three at Berlin is like is tentative to be honest. Um, but I have announced it. I've like told everyone that that's what I want to do. So uh, I should at least give it a shot and then, and then just man up if I fail <laughs> and just admit that it was a stupid idea in the first place. Well, that's when an ambitious calendar though. God, that is, um, that's a lot of racing in the next but few you weeks. Wouldn't, but you wouldn't do that Tris, because, because you're, you're, you know, you're elite, at least, at least sub elite, elite athlete. Uh, and I'm and I'm just I'm I'm the majority of the reason that I do it is is for fun and to enjoy yeah. it all. Sounds and fun. Then, <laughs> and again, but like I said about Valderan, it's you, you're afterwards yeah. when you finish or or a few days later, you go that was that was just the best thing in the world. The I'm so pleased I did it. It was great. And uh, yeah. Well, we said before, I think you said it actually, Tris, it's, it's a, a survival mechanism. You have to block this stuff out, otherwise you'd never think about it again. Yeah. And I guess yeah. Same, with, same with childbirth, like you say. If, if women had that visceral memory in full HD, 4K, 
with Dolby Atmos surround sound of childbirth, they would ne- they wouldn't come near us. There's you know? no channel film my birth then. <laughs> I did film both my children's birth, both my younger children's birth. You didn't do yeah. a commentary though, did you? No, I didn't no, do a commentary. Not that the first one, I was too busy starting to faint. <laughs> Sounds very similar to your ultra. I was going to say, how high was the birth? <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> On that uh, note, was, I, 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 I like to think that I'm. I like to think that I've got quite an, an iron constitution, um, but uh, I'm not. I'm not terribly good with blood. I don't think. And I do. There was quite a lot of blood in my my daughter's birth, so. I wasn't I wasn't overly enamored by that and uh, I had to I did have to have a bit of gas and air. That's a good reason. It's a good reason. And on that mm. note, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to go get some lunch. Uh, <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, uh, um, have right. we got any more questions for Stephen or should we just wait till his third appearance on this podcast if he wants to come back again? I mean, we yeah. could just go on and on. We've got another recording in 50 minutes, though, haven't we? Have you, we have. Who have you got in 50 minutes? Uh, you Thomas. To well, yeah. Well, I don't know which order we're going to put them out in, but I guess yeah. that defines it then. Um, we'll chat we'll to this one out. Probably, we'll put this one out first. Yeah. So uh, we've got a chap coming on who is running 25,000 miles. Okay. When is he doing that? Uh, is he start, in the process of doing it now? He starts in August and finishes in December 2024. Oh, okay. Have you had that chap on... Uh, Pinter, what's his name? Uh, Mark Harold. Pinter, Harold Pinter. <laughs> um, he's basically he's running around the UK. And funnily enough, when I was I was live streaming the uh, plague last week in Cornwall, and I was stood on a hill in Portlow, uh, watching the plague and the black rat runners all come past and waiting for the start of the red rat, and um, and this chap comes up the hill. Uh, with somebody running with him and he's all packed up and everything. And I said, Oh, how far are you going today? He said, Oh, 27 <laughs> miles. I said, Oh, nice one. He said, but I'm doing 5,000 miles around the UK. Paul Minter. Paul Minter. Paul Minter is his name. And he's running for a charity, his own charity called Heads Up was a mental health charity. Oh, I heard that. And, uh, and he, yeah. And I meant, I, I was meant to go and interview him in Worthing when he came through Worthing, but my times didn't make sense and I couldn't make it. So, so I didn't. And then just by coincidence, he passed me when I was live streaming uh, on the on the uh, the plague. So, uh, yeah, it was nice to see him. The people you is meet. He run, is he running or is he sort of hiking? I Well, I guess if you're doing 5,000 miles, you're, you're not doing a, a massive amount of running. But he was. But he was. He was running when I saw him. So, yeah, he's 3,000 miles in, I think. Wow. So he's heading up. He's heading up towards uh, into Wales and... and um, uh, Liverpool and Manchester kind of area now, I would imagine. Get on. That's a proper challenge. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Well, good luck on, uh, on Lakeland. We should, I tell you what, we should get you back. Stephen, we'll get you back for the autopsy in the autumn. I'm excited, I'm excited yeah, we'll... about Lakeland, but the autopsy in autumn will be interesting, yes. Yeah. So when we'll we get back from did. Chamonix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I'll do is I'll I'll make a checklist of all the things you said you're going to do, and then we'll just go through them one by one and see see what happened. Well, it's basically just finish Lakeland, finish Ben Nevis. What's the other one I'm doing? Finish TDS. So three finishes. I don't really care too much about the time as long as I'm in within cutoff, and then sub three at Berlin, 
and then pace my friend Haley around London, who she wants a 320. Sounds easy. She's a good runner. She should do it. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, we'll have another wrap up then and come back to it. Okay. All. Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. No worries. Never a chore. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. See you soon. Good. See you soon. Stop recording then. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Trail and Error podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and most important of all, share it with your friends and your family. Also, if you have any guest suggestions or suggestions for features that you would like to see on the Trail and Error podcast, please get in touch with us via our social media channels at trail underscore and underscore error underscore UK. It makes more sense when it's written down, I promise you. Oh, and we're on Facebook too. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Stop recording then. Stop recording then.